0: Amount, oh, yeah, like what? Oh, well, there's different uh strainers and squeezers and <laughs>
1: strainers and squeezers like that. That's
0: good. <laughs> oh, need those. You need those things. I don't know the name of them, but I, I could send you a photo. Oh,
2: please do. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just. I enjoy. I enjoy tea from time to time, but I'm pretty much a bag man and. Not sure what the benefits of having all the, the other accoutrements do for you.
1: Bag, you got pre-measured doses, loose teas. You can control the strength. And mm-hmm. basically, you can see what's going <clears throat> in.
0: Okay. Well, and then with bags, you have the bags. And with the not bags, then you uh, might feel more green.
1: <laughs> I think he's hmm. saying green teas come loose. Some I did not know.
0: <laughs> no, 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 I'm talking about like feel green, like uh, you're you're doing your part to save the planet by not. Oh, oh <laughs> I see. Not like a Kermit the Frog. It ain't easy
2: being yeah. green. <laughs>
1: yeah, see, I he said green, and I, I since we've just been reading about you know green, white oolong teas, I assume.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now I'm now I'm on a tea. Bender here, and looking at uh, the New Mexico Tea Company has a, uh, a packet of 11 different Earl Gray teas that are, is synchronized with the coming out of the Picard show. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> so you can try out, figure out which is your favorite Earl Gray. I didn't even realize
0: there were so many different Earl Grays, for heaven's sakes. Yes, yeah, uh, not a favorite. Uh, not even really one that she likes no. here, so... If I happen upon it in the house, it's one. I also put a free sample. that mm-hmm. Ended up here.
2: Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Earl Grey either. More of a Darjeeling and Oolong kind of teas.
1: Oolong, I'm forced to point out, is a processing method, not a brand or even a.
2: Uh, snack. I know it's, a, but it is a type of tea. It's a category of tea, at least at the New Mexico Tea Company. Yeah, yeah. They have white, green, oolong, black. And many other ones.
1: Oh, well, those four are the kind that um, Wikipedia says are processing okay. types. Okay. So I'm guessing the. Uh, so it all
2: kind of comes from the same plant, but it, uh, but they just do it differently. Yeah. Kind of like kind of like coffee.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then I'm <laughs> guessing the other types they have at the company are actually more like you know, Ziffendale or you know. <laughs>
2: they have puree mate. Rubios and herbal blends. And and, then sus- and subscriptions. <laughs> At forty cups a month for only fourteen ninety nine a month. There you go.
1: So <laughs> Sounds delicious. T- time to move on to maybe starting is it? Our, our yes, yes. I think uh, Hello is.
2: everyone and welcome to the Dedicated Nerds Podcast. I'm Rob Fiorentino. I'm here with my co hosts Carney and Dave. Hello,
1: Carney. Hello, hello.
2: <laughs> hello, Dave good morning how are you so-called gentlemen doing this morning gotta be careful with that term
1: yeah i'm i'm still not processing well you asked me how am i doing and i forgot who my co-hosts were so i just said hello (laughs) instead of names that's always
0: safe safer than uh when you say hello Carney.
1: (laughs) well if there's no Carney in channel yeah it's a good thing
2: I have this it's a good thing I have this opening written down because I'd be in trouble as well.
1: <laughs>
2: How are you doing, Dave? You sound uh, you sound chipper this morning. Have you been up for more than 10 minutes?
0: No, but I'm working on my fake it. Oh, well done.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> I have to wake up to a certain point before I can even manage to fake being woken up. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
2: That's interesting. So, Carney, I see there's been some news on the uh, space front. Fill us in on the uh, European Mars lander. They had some difficulties, didn't they? Uh,
1: yes, they did. Um, if you, I would go beyond difficulties with it. A uh, f- mm. little while ago, they tested their high-altitude parachute, which completely failed. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, while they're revisiting that, they went through the process of... Te- uh, recently, they... Um, went through the process of testing their low-altitude parachute because they have a two-stage parachute routine, and their low-level parachute completely failed. And they have not fixed the high level. They don't have a working low level. And they're talking about, you know maybe having to postpone the lander i don't think there's a maybe to it they apparently can't get a functioning parachute going so until they get at least one functioning parachute, i this is not a lander this is a this is a crash <laughs> it's, a,
2: it's a missile <laughs> yeah
1: pretty much <laughs> let's make a new crater on mars
2: and so what i have a question this basic question i'm not as uh, uh anyway, um how thick is the atmosphere on mars compared uh, to ours
1: one percent or less of the
2: earths so does that mean the the uh the parachute has to be like 99 times as large as the ones on earth
1: it yes no complicated response um is that it's just very very different you have to is that a parachute on Mars, you cannot come up with a reasonable parachute that would allow a soft landing. Mm-hmm. What you use a parachute for <laughs> is supersonic to to sound barrier deceleration, and then another parachute to slow it down a bit more and keep it steady on its way down before you let rockets or some other means take over at a p- appropriate height. But you can't really do I a see. landing with parachutes, and interesting fact is that the u.s is the only space program that's managed to successfully land and operate stuff on mars there have been a lot of other attempts and there are a lot of craters on mars from resulting from that but u.s is the only one that's managed to do it so far so that should give you an idea of it's not simple
2: (laughs) seem to remember at one point in the last few years there was a a probe that landed on Mars and that was kind of like a beach ball or whatever, and it just kind of bounced around. Is that right? Yes,
1: yes. Uh, I forget which one it is. One of the smaller rovers, mm-hmm. um, and that worked pretty good. But it, the the problem with that approach is that it only works for smaller probes. That one it came in on a parachute. I forget how fast the con- the contact speed was, but it it was pretty substantial. And it was a small probe that didn't weigh too much, so they could manage to do the. the m- they could rely more on parachutes than they had with other probes, but mm-hmm. there are just limitations to it. Not the sure. least of which is it goes bouncing across the landscape, which is kind of nerve-wracking for the landing crew. <laughs> you know, they're not quite—they know approximately where it's going to stop, but that's about as far as it
2: goes. Yeah, I suppose that's a big problem. That the, if they're talking about actually landing human beings on Mars, that that's uh Oh yeah, a they, they they no they
1: way to do human beings on. No, no way. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, would you have to bring enough? I mean, would you have to do it like you did the moon landing, where you actually yes. use rockets to get down?
1: Yes, almost. M- I mean, the exact methodology, who knows? But it's it's going to have to be a propulsive landing for anything like humans.
2: Hmm. How much more fuel do you need to get to Mars than the Moon? It seems it would seem like an order of magnitude difference.
0: How to fast get you to, to get there?
2: there? I suppose a oh, good point.
1: I'm sorry what i'm I
2: he said, and he said well what did you say,
0: Repeat what you said, Dave? how fast do you want to get there?
1: Ah that's actually yeah, that is a good point, but um the simple answer to to get there takes no more fuel than to get to the moon,
2: mm, okay, to get if there, as long as you got the same speed,
1: yeah, is that um you're talking about escape velocity and once you get into the interplanetary transport system, which is excellent, it's it's uh it's an abstract way of thinking about all the different gravitational fields in the solar system you can pretty much get to anywhere from anywhere once you're out of the gravity wells as long as you're not in a hurry
2: mm-hmm.
1: now for landing is that um, Mars has got a gravity one-third the Earth Moon has got gravity one-sixth of the Earth but the the mass of the objects come into play too it's it's not as straightforward but it's you're you're probably looking at something on the an order of magnitude more fuel per landed kilo hmm. for mars
2: <clears throat> now i as i've been watching the uh, for all mankind show uh, on apple tv this last week and uh, they talk they <clears throat> they talked about discovering some water on the moon uh, in like a deep crater that the sun has never hit or whatever. And, and using, and they're potentially using that as fuel, separate the hydrogen. Is that, is that actually doable? Yes. And what's, what's involved with, what would you have to bring with to actually create enough fuel? Uh, depending on anything. what
1: def- definition of to leave out. the planet
2: i guess would be you know to get back i guess it, could you could long? you say Well, i guess my my first question would be can you send a probe to mars that could you know gather up ice and
1: yes you could <laughs> i mean it, it's all a question of how long do you want to take and mm-hmm. um how how much how, how big of a quantity are you trying to accumulate i mean you could definitely have a small little probe that would land there and collect some water or something And produce its own fuel. That's been talked. It's actually easier on Mars than on the Moon. Really? Um, Yeah. Why is that? that? Because you've got a carbon dioxide atmosphere, and there's more water on Mars. So there there are various routes by which you can use the carbon dioxide to to extract carbon. So instead of just having hydrogen, you have a little bit of water. You get the carbon out of the air. You produce methane instead of pure hydrogen um okay so the chemical routes are just simpler is that if um you're talking about the moon you're really talking about electrolysis of water which means you need a lot of power and then there's just more processes involved and it's more energy intensive
2: hmm. fascinating so how how long would like how long would it take a, a, I mean i would assume the very first rocket that goes to mars is not going to depend on making its own fuel to get home oh
1: i doubt it it's going to take it's going to take a fair amount of equipment and it is you've got to gather up the resources whatever it is on mars you got assuming you bring nothing with you mm-hmm. is that you're going to have to gather except up
2: the machine own. you'd have to bring whatever machine well, yeah, to, but
1: I'm, I'm talking about
2: create the methane wise. right
1: is that some of the schemes for making fuel on Mars? On Mars. Say, okay, we're going to bring certain Uh-oh. amounts of this, we went dead. and we're <laughs> going to react it with the atmosphere to produce four times as much fuel. Or, or yeah, so it, it's it just it depends on what you're talking about. But you still you, you need some infrastructure. So at a minimum, you need the machinery to gather up the water. You need the, the the power generation to to do. Whatever it is you're going to do with the fuel and you need the storage to store the finished product And now how much of any of those you're going to have it just depends I mean in theory it could be just you know a arm at the end of a rover It could be a single solar panel, and it could be a teeny tiny little tank You know if you're doing a proof of concept all the way up to a full-size industrial facility that would take years and thousands of tons of equipment landed, you know just Mm -hmm. depends
2: and probably everywhere in between there to get to that point.
1: Pretty much, yes.
2: Yeah, and an economic reason to <laughs> wanna <laughs> to wanna continue to, to, to land I don't know, is it is it does it make sense to actually land on Mars and then go somewhere else? I mean could you could we actually use Mars as like a staging area or is that or are you just wasting a bunch of fuel to get down to Mars?
1: If you're making the fuel on Mars, it's going to be easier to get fuel up from Mars than up from Earth.
2: Mm-hmm. but it's, it's, you know, it's half going to the weight
1: well <clears throat> it's not quite that simple but or, it's, it's okay. easier yeah it's there's less atmosphere less weight um smaller planet all of that it feeds into the
2: no airplane. no environmental protection agency on mars
1: give it time <laughs> <laughs> no i mean seriously you know it's, if you've got if you've got people working on mars you're not going to want to drop yeah no no thousand tons of hydrazine on their heads
2: (laughs) no no but but you could probably yeah i think at this stage you could probably take a a giant swash of of mars and create you know the fuel create the equivalent of houston there on mars
1: that's kind of (laughs) harsh anyway (laughs) but it's have
2: you been to houston
1: Yes, I have.
2: <laughs> it's not that far off. <laughs> at least parts of it. <laughs> Either that or New Jersey. It's a good <laughs> thing we
1: don't. It's a good thing we don't have an audience, because <laughs> right now the, the tar and <laughs> the feathers would be coming out. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Send your letters to Carney at dedicatednerds.net. Yeah, no. <laughs> Rob
1: Fortino, and he's one of them damn Yankees. Okay, uh,
2: is, do, do Minnesotans count as Yankees? Really? I mean, come on, uh,
1: That doesn't seem right. From where I'm sitting, at, yes. You know, oh, okay, from where you're I sitting see. At, All maybe right. not.
2: <laughs> All right.
1: Minnesota sent regiments to fight in the Civil War. Oh, the absolutely. I
2: absolutely. We're okay. Fine. I see. I see how it is what definition
0: are you thinking might exclude you
2: Ro? i don't know i thought yankees was kind of a new england kind of a thing it
1: generally like the was. new york yankees yeah a southerner <laughs> yeah. when you're yeah. not used yeah. by a southerner yankee means new england
2: <laughs> right well iowa is kind of almost the south and missouri's the half and half so you know nope. I
1: missouri I would consider to be yeah it's, it's,
2: yeah mason dixon line
1: yeah anyway right. Anyway, on the, the European Mars Lander, the, the, the thing about that is that they've got all kinds of problems and they're nowhere near to being ready to actually try to land something on Mars. And it seems like we've also got a similar problems with Boeing's. Um, it's just come out now that with all the problems they were having with the, the Boeing crude capsule that, oh yeah, by the way, we didn't put the whole thing together and test it as a unit. Sound familiar, coming from Boeing?
2: Wait, are you talk, did, did you move? Have you moved on to the Artemis program?
1: No, no, this is an in, not listed okay, in between things.
2: <clears throat> I see.
1: It's just so that after I wrote wh- this, it came out that the Boeing, yeah, hasn't done any end-to-end integration testing on their um, wh- what do they call their the? It's the man manned capsule thing, and it's that really is kind of sketchy. Mm-hmm.
0: And, uh,
1: Test
0: testing costs money. (laughs) Yes,
1: yes, it does. And apparently, only the startup like SpaceX has money. A multi-billion-dollar company that's Hmm. been in space production for forty odd years doesn't have the money to do testing.
0: Well, they
2: have shareholders. Yeah, hasn't it been more like sixty years?
1: Uh, Yeah, it has. (laughs) I was just pulling that number out of thin air.
2: Yeah. So, all right, so here's my question then about the best, because I'm still on this Mars thing. Uh-huh. Well, if we've had several, I mean, lots of probes have been on Mars. Why are we reinventing the wheel with whatever the European Space Agency is doing? Because is theirs the, is just bigger? Or?
1: Well, first of all, there's engineering te- expertise. But yeah. the, but it's a combination of bigger and finding better ways of doing it. Is The Vi- original Viking probes, came down f- purely on propulsive landing mm-hmm is that since then people have been trying to find a magic combination of rockets inflatable beach balls parachutes mm-hmm. and magic to, to get the <laughs> most load safely down with the most control and the least amount of weight that that's why they keep trying different ways as to why why the Europeans are having trouble it's because unless you want to as europeans you want to say okay let's just give nasa a billion dollars to build us a space probe you've got to come up with the expertise and right you know ro- we've said it before on this podcast rocket science is a phrase because rocket science is actually really kind of hard
2: <laughs> uh-huh you know? and then so so they so all right so so is it, is it different, though, than other sciences where, I suppose probably it is, where it's highly controlled access to the knowledge? Or is it kind of... I'm not
1: sure where you're leading with this. I well, I'm just trying to
2: understand why... <clears throat> You know, I say science is—we're standing on the shoulders of giants, and so on and oh, so forth. Oh, I think what I can we give use you at
1: least one reason why it's different is that yeah. if you're if you're going to sit there, and this is really a combination of basic science where you don't know the answer and engineering, which is practices. But if you're looking at something like, and say you're building an airplane, you can sit there, you can make a scale model of it, you can put it in a wind tunnel and you can get a pretty good idea of how it's going to behave. You can then produce a scale model and fly it around and get some idea of whether your model in the wind tunnel was accurate or not. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about landing on Mars, the only way to find out how your thing is going to behave on Mars is sending it to Mars, at which point it's six months away, $400 mm-hmm. million dollars down the drain, and <laughs> you're depending on a computer to land the damn thing because it's nine minutes away by radio signals. Right. You know, and the, the, so what they're
2: trying is not not. It's not necessarily that they, they haven't been learning from what's been going on in the past. It's just they're it's trying hard. to do some kind of new stuff, and it's really really hard. Yeah, yeah. and they haven't. Well, they don't even have if a You great do
1: the ex- exact same thing. <clears throat> is that you know Mars is a active place, and it doesn't stand still or stay. So you can you can have a hundred different probes do a hundred ex- you think exactly the same things launching it towards mars and maybe only half of them make it to the surface now why do the other half make? who knows various reasons. maybe you ran into a sandstorm <laughs> maybe mm-hmm. m- you know maybe the 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 martians decided to start shooting down incoming <laughs> who knows mm-hmm so it's it just it there's a lot that goes into there's a lot of sciences and a lot of science and a lot of engineering all stacked together with razor thin margins of error in space science that you just don't have with as far as i know any other s- physical science you know if you b- airplanes have a huge margin of safety and error compared to spaceships mm-hmm. right? so it's just it's hard <laughs> yeah all right, let's talk
2: about something else that's that's hard. Uh, what's your what's our what's our next article that you from uh, we have the uh, art? Tell me tell me what the what is the Artemis program?
1: The Artemis program is the latest. <coughs> We're going to the moon pro- project. All right. And um, I really uh, this is just really a link to a Ars Technica story because I'm just basically going to repeat what they're saying is that it, it just talks about how the you know the steps they're going to take and what what NASA is starting to think about? It looks like NASA's leaning more and more towards using the SLS, you know, their in-house booster, mm-hmm. to get most of the stuff to the Moon. And whether that's good or bad is arguable. But this is just interesting. It it looks like NASA is actually pushing forward, trying to to develop a Moon mission, something less than, you know, to actually have some some dates as a Opposed to saying sitting around in a circle, everyone going, "Yeah, it'd be nice if we went back to the moon. Maybe we should right. get another billion dollars from Congress to sit around in a circle and talk about how nice it would be to go to the moon."
2: Yeah, and here they actually have like April twenty twenty one is some tests are starting, and then of
1: actual hardware. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So what? So what are they actually looking to create? Are they looking to create like a moon base now? Is that is that the mission?
1: Good question. <laughs> um, Last thing I've heard is what they're looking. They've got something called a gateway. The idea is to put something in uh, orbit uh, near the moon. It, mm-hmm. I've seen debate about whether it be in orbit around the moon or co-orbiting with the moon. Mm-hmm. And um, from there, you would stage landings on the moon. And for what exact purpose depends on. Well, there's a lot of what ifing going on. But I don't think they have actual concrete hardware and plans, and so many launches to do this, and we on launch. This is going to accomplish this, and launch two. Well, is going to I mean, accomplish if,
2: that. if if I know if I know the way human beings work, I'm sure there's probably right now 50 different plans, and they just haven't chosen one, right?
1: Possibly, um, there's a lot of debate going on. The, the, the problem is that this gets back to the space science is hard, you know, rocket science is hard. Right, right. Is that, you know, is that they can't do everything, and they're going to have to have all their ducks in a row before they can do anything. If they go half-assed into this, then the whole thing is going to come apart as Mm -hmm. half-assed. Before they actually, testing is, well, they're still testing is fine, but when they start actually saying, okay, here goes piece one, they've got to have piece ten, planned out before piece one goes into space or else the right. whole thing's just not going to work
2: right so i'm assuming they're going to and what is it the south pole of the moon that's got all the water on it
1: um as far as Something we like know that? at this point and you got to keep in mind that when you're talking about water on the moon is you got to be careful what you're reading because it's they might be talking about Actual water ice, you know, mm-hmm. either on the surface or buried under some loose regolith, or they might be talking about hydroxide minerals, which is minerals that have OH at, ad- um, I should say, OH molecules tied into them, and you could get the the hydro- uh, OH out of the minerals by you know heating or various other means and produce right. water that way. But it's it's when they're talking about water. On the moon, they're not necessarily talking about something you can go out with a pail and a shovel and put it in, you know, put it in your pail and go dump it into a hopper.
2: I think what I recall is that there's ice patches just below the surface on the north and south poles. They think so. They think yeah. I mean, unless you go there and hit it with a pickaxe, you're probably not going to know for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the complication is the the instruments they've used to detect water are really instruments that are good at detecting hydrogen okay and there's there's quite a bit of hydrogen concentrated there and it's presumed because of various measurements they made that it's at least to some degree dirty water ice but we haven't actually touched it yet
2: (laughs) Hmm. Hmm. well I guess that's uh, one reason to go there is to find yes, out what yes. actually is there
1: <laughs> and the moon would actually be a good place especially if there's substantial amounts of water that can be processed into things the moon would actually be a fairly decent um refueling point
2: yeah but it'd be interesting to see if they'd want to use the water that's on, depending on how much is there you know we, do we use the water that's on the moon for fuel or do we use the water on the moon to live there
1: well th- it, I'm not sure what what the point of living goals. there. If you're just going to sit there and and use it aimlessly, then either of those options is bad. And mm-hmm. if you're using it up to create an infrastructure where you don't need to, because there's plenty of water in the system, it's just a question of getting to it. Mm. And the the moon in just happens to be particularly poor in that particular resource. So you know if you use the what's there. In order to bring up the infrastructure to go and get more, then that's good. If you just waste it, then that's bad.
2: All right. We're gonna end it there with wasting water is bad, everyone. Take yes. that down. <laughs> Make notes of that. You have any topics for discussion, Dave? i mean you've been uh you've been burning to get some get some verbiage out about?
0: No, I, I'm I have all my burning taken care of this week, but thank you.
2: <laughs> okay well let's move on to what's been good this fortnight uh who put in uh, the greatest events of world war Two on netflix that would be me well what, what do you got there that sounds awesome
1: i feel like i'm the only one who's been talking making make Dave come up it happens <laughs> okay <laughs> it happens <laughs> sometimes um, I just I I was looking for um, specifically the movie Midway on Netflix, and I stumbled across this, and it was a documentary series of the greatest events made for. And I'm going, yeah, okay, you know, this this is something I can watch while walking on the treadmill. Mm-hmm. And I started off with the Midway episode just because, well, I was looking for you know something on Midway. And quite frankly, this. this and I watched uh, a couple of other episodes, too. This, this, this thing is just awful. Their so-called experts are just... Yeah. Th- they're getting basic sh- stuff wrong. You know, you, you get somebody... Oh, wow. uh, yeah, I, I'll use the Midway, since that's the one that really triggered me. Is You know, they, they get this guy on, he starts talking, you know, knowledgeably about Midway, and he makes a comment, which... This was the first one again. Is that how you know the U.S. was out outnumbered? Blah blah blah, and you know they had more experience. And then he made a comment about the they had flyers, and he gave a list of battles that happened in the Pacific. Well, some of them were in no way connected to Midway. Hmm. The specific thing he said that that caught my notice first was that the the fly the japanese flyers had experience from pearl harbor and coral sea and the us flyers had not well one of the big issues about midway is that the fly the japanese flyers from coral sea were not at midway <laughs> So what he said was just flat <clears throat> wrong. And it's something that anybody who's read anything about Midway, who's got any knowledge whatsoever about it, should know if you have any interest in the in-depth, is that one of the big issues was that a third of the main Japanese carrier fleet was off at Coral Sea and couldn't mm-hmm. make it to Midway. You know, so it's. it's Seems
2: like if you're doing a documentary on World War II, you'd want to at least get your facts right.
1: Exactly, you know, it's, it's kind if of the if basics. Talking about Midway, one of the things you'd you'd bring up is the fact that one of the reasons why the U.S. won that battle was because the the carriers, the U.S. carrier that was at Coral Sea, made it to Midway, and the carriers that the Japanese had at Coral Sea didn't make it to Midway. Hmm. So and then the, there there was just some other stuff that without getting ticky-tacky I can't but it it, it was just wrong. It wasn't just matters of opinions, it was wrong. Mhm. And you know it's like where did you find these experts? Did you just go to the local Byzantine history department <laughs> and ask some random person that looked like a professor for their opinion?
2: <laughs> and and why were they Talking about the Byzantine Empire when they should be talking about World War Two, for heaven's sake! Yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's like the, 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 they, they went looking for a history expert and figured any history expert would do for their show. Mm-hmm. You know, my advice would be don't don't listen to and there were and when I looked listened to it, there were a couple of other things where they were just getting things wrong. So I was if you're interested in World War Two and you want to learn something, absolutely avoid this show. Because you'll learn quick, things that are wrong.
0: Well, quick question. You might not know the answer to this, but so was the person speaking the expert or were they just reading something that an expert had written?
1: So, you know, I can't answer that. They, they, they had somebody sitting behind a desk with lots of books who was speaking, you know in professor-speak, like they knew what they were talking about. You know, okay. uh, like I said, the, they may have just randomly walked the, into somebody's office at the local, you know, you know, Denny's and said, oh, sir, would you <laughs> like to present an opinion on Midway? What
2: do, you, what do you think about Midway here? Okay, step away from the fr- uh, French fry fryer for a minute.
1: Yeah, could uh, you sit down behind <laughs> a desk and put on a tie, please?
0: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just not sure it matters one way or the other, except that, you know, quite often people are chosen because of the way they sound and the way they look when you're putting them on TV and they might not know anything other than how to read English. So I mm. it was just curious. I,
1: I I mean, I suppose it could be that that it was an actor pretending, but it was presented in such a manner that, you know.
2: Well, if they had an actor doing that, then that's an even worse crime than being wrong. That's just being fraudulent then at that point.
1: That, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, All right, well, we're going to move on. I had a, a delightful experience with, I don't know if you guys are H.P. Lovecraft fans. Um, oh, yeah, who doesn't like
1: tentacles? D-
2: I know, exactly. It's delightful stuff. Um, I purchased the uh, the Complete Fiction audiobook, which is done by the H.P. Lovecraft uh, Society. and You it is either have no imagination dynamite. or
1: you're not planning on ever sleeping again. <laughs>
2: No, oh, it's it's creepy and fun and the the the. See,
1: fun is not a word that's normally well. You
2: know, I mean, come on, it's it's imaginative, it's delightful,
1: it's delightful. <laughs> delightful. It's There's another word that you don't frequently <laughs> find. It's delicious.
2: It's wonderful. Delicious, I mean, yes,
1: is in humans getting eaten? Yes, about col- colors. Yes
2: colors that we have never seen before from outer space in our (laughs) lives it's all really good stuff anyway the the hp lovecraft the complete fiction audiobook is is all the fiction that he wrote um read by some really dynamite narrators and uh it's a good uh, and it's got some little some very subtle background music behind the the things to make to make it to make it even creepier
1: Thank you for finding the one thing grob that I'm absolutely never going to go anywhere near.
2: <laughs> anyway, I do not recommend uh listening to this audiobook as you try to go to sleep at night, but it definitely or if you're keeps excitable like me. <laughs> I would say stay away from that, yes, uh, but uh, it's pretty darn good, and I'm enjoying it so far. And I'm not—I'm not a huge Lovecraft fan at this point, but I'm becoming a bigger one the more I listen to. So it's—it's well, it's great.
1: Well, if you like that kind of horror, great. But I would also read about H.P. Lovecraft himself, so you'll know what mm. kind of a tool he was.
2: Well, I think I'm going to wait until after I finish the uh, the fiction before I ruin it. <laughs> but,
1: <laughs> well, no, a horror horror genre is something that's. Ho- Hard to um, ruin, but he, he was—he yeah. was considered an, a, a, a a a bigot and a racist even by the standards of when he was living. Nice, you know, which Great. you well, got I'm, some idea no. of what kind of a person he was in person.
2: I'm gonna really enjoy it from here on out. Then, well, there you go, uh, Sorry, Dave. How about but, you? You know, <laughs> no, it's like it's quite all right, uh, Dave. What's been good for you this fortnight, or or not good?
0: Well, let's see if uh, Carney can shoot holes in mine. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Texas spring. It's upon us. The harsh, long winter that we've endured is over. We're and now they've got the things. harsh,
1: long spring to endure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, with the exception of tornadoes, there's really nothing. Tornadoes and hail. That's, that's the problems in spring.
1: Oh, uh, well. Here the weather is Pretty much damp and dismal and cold so it hasn't reached Georgia yet.
0: Well I'm sure we'll have some cooler days. It was 75 yesterday, 74 today and oh
1: that's nice.
0: Um, yeah, spring isn't official but it's here and like I said, long harsh winters behind us.
2: Nice. <laughs> well that's excellent well thanks guys it's been a good good conversation here mostly about space but uh, very interesting I thought uh, thank you very much if you guys have any comments for us we are at dedicated nerds on Twitter send us Gmail send us email at dedicated nerds at com or visit us at dedicated nerds net thanks Dave appreciate you being around this morning it's great to be here and Carney thank you very much
1: yeah I can't say how lovely it is to be damp dismal and cold <laughs>
2: Well, we'll all have an opportunity to find out soon enough, I'm sure. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.